Welcome to a very special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with one of the stars of both of the recent Broadway productions of Funny Girl and Harmony, Julie Banco. Coming up this Monday, February 12th at 7 p.m., Julie will be presenting a little bit of a different type of concert over at Birdland. Instead of the normal show tune or pop music inspired cabarets that we often see across New York City, Julie is going to be celebrating Mardi Gras with a concert with her band, Euphonic Gumbo. It will feature all types of songs from New Orleans, some you might know as classics, some you might know from Disney movie musicals. In our conversation, Julie and I get into where the name Euphonic Gumbo comes from, what about the city of New Orleans has made her fall in love with it, what it is like working with her jazz pianist spouse, Jason Yeager, who also happens to be her music director, and so much more about the concert. We, of course, talk about the unbelievable ride that she's been on since coming to a fairly wide prominence as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl, and then leading straight into the beloved musical Harmony that unfortunately closed last weekend. We recorded just a couple days before the final performance on Broadway, so Julie does give us a little bit of an insight as to what that experience has meant to her. Now, there is one thing that we have to point out. In the conversation, we talk about the fact that the concert was originally going to be live streamed. However, because of a flood that actually happened that damaged the live stream equipment, that will not be happening. However, Julie did say on social media that they're going to try to find a way to record it so that it can be available for people at a later date. All right, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with the star to be, you'll see what I mean later, Julie Benko. Okay, Julie, so Euphonic Gumbo sounds like the perfect name. Like when you're sitting around and you say two words and you're like, oh, that would be a great band name. This is the perfect example of that because that is a great band name. So where did that come from? So actually that came from a play that I wrote, um, which is set in New Orleans. I, I had been you know, I just the first time we went down to New Orleans, we just fell in love with it, like everybody who ever goes to New Orleans does. And then I I got really interested in Storyville, which is the the legal red light district that existed there from 1897 to 1917. And I started doing all this research like on the real women who ran these, you know, these houses and the, who worked in this place and where obviously where jazz, they, you know, where they say jazz was born, quote unquote. I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah. obviously not, um, it's a bit more complicated than that, but Louis Armstrong came up playing in Storyville and all that stuff. So, um, I wrote this play and one of the characters, uh, is Tony Jackson, who was Jelly Roll Morton's hero. He was like the big, he was the biggest star in all of Storyville. And he was supposedly like a genius. He could hear, uh, any song played once, uh, and he could just play it back for you forever. He could sing in any style. He played play in any style. He would like play piano and do the cakewalk and sing all at the same time. He also lived openly as a gay black man in this era, which is, you know, it's it's still, I don't think so easy. And <laughs> it was like, so back yeah. then. And um, so I was, he has this monologue in this play that I wrote and it just came to me of like, you know, the, he's explaining what jazz is to this sort of outsider character. And he's ex- using gumbo as a 
as a metaphor for it. And he's saying like, you've got the rue, which is the, you know, the, the rhythm and you've got, you know, so all of these ingredients that come from all these different cultures make up, uh, make up the euphonic gumbo. And then, you know, Jason, my husband, who is my music director and pianist uh, and arranger, he was, he, you know, he was hearing all the readings and iterations of this play. And he was like, I think that would make a great band name because he said, like, this is euphonic gumbo. And I was like, you're right. So that became my band name. Long, long answer to a short question. No, no, no. That's great. That's a that's an amazing story. So but I was going to ask because I knew you'd written a play based in New Orleans. Obviously, your whole concert coming up at Birdland is very much inspired by New Orleans. So I wondered what the connection was, because everything that I could find online is you're from the Northeast, grew up in D.C., grew up in (laughs) Connecticut, went to school in New York. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. What what is it about <laughs> New Orleans? Obviously, like you said, everybody falls in love with it. But what was it about that city for you and for Jason? Is it because you are so musical? Is it that musical nature? Or is it more than that? Yeah, I mean, I think the music was a huge part of it. Um, my favorite kind of jazz is the sort of New Orleans trad jazz. Um, that it's so bluesy and rootsy and. Um, and it melody is king, you know, uh, and and uh, it's like you can dance to it. It's it's there's so much story in it. Um, and the first time we went down there, it was like people were playing this kind of music on every street corner, you know, busking all over the place. You go out on Frenchman Street all night and you hear this kind of music that doesn't happen other places. And so that was sort of the gateway drug to falling in love with New Orleans. But then also I just love. I mean, I'm a big fan of history and and the history of that place is so unique. And, you know, the, the architecture is so beautiful. And uh, I love language. I'm a great, I speak Spanish. I'm learning French. I'm learning Yiddish for fun. And like, so this is a place where language, you know, so many different languages live in this place. And the, you know, there's also just all of these incredible stories of, you know, magic and voodoo and vampires and it's just like very evocative and and there's something for everybody you know I'm not really a partier so like Mardi Gras for me (laughs) is not like I don't love like going out and drinking all I just and you know big loud places because as a singer I'm always afraid of over you know of, of, of hurting my voice in loud places so I'm not really a big partier but I just I just love uh this this place that it just feels like you step into another country. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's what you think of when you think of America, you know, and and it's just a more complicated history than that. So I just was really attracted to the richness of the history and and the music. So Monday, February 12th at Birdland, you are celebrating Mardi Gras. Obviously, no floats, no uh, No big, loud screaming, no beads or anything. So what does your version of... Okay. Well, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. You, you, you can't, couldn't see, right? Cause it's radio, yeah. but I made a face because I, I do, I did, I do have a giant box sitting over here full of okay. Mardi Gras beads for everybody in the audience. I'll put them out all the tables and Amazing. I, uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to cook up a king cake, um, which if you don't know, you know, that you, you cook it around Mardi Gras baby, and yeah. there's a little, yeah, the, whoever gets the baby is the king or queen of Mardi Gras is crowned the king or queen. And we do like some trivia questions so people can win prizes and uh, just about New Orleans and Louisiana. And uh, we do a like we parade in and, you know, we try to bring 
some of the element of the party to Birdland. I I did also buy some streamers. Like I'm trying. I'm just. Gonna, I asked. I was like, Jim Caruso, is it okay if I hang some streamers from the lighting board? He was like, Sure, yeah. whatever you want. So beyond the streamers and the beads and the trivia mm-hmm. questions, what does a Mardi Gras concert from Julie Benko look and sound like? Well, we have a big, a nice big band, which is, you know, I think important for the New Orleans sound. We've got a full like second line horn section. So trumpet and clarinet, sax doubler and trombone plus piano, bass and drums. So I have a six piece band and uh, really just celebrating the the winds, you know, the wind section that's so common in New Orleans music. And then I'm also inviting my friend, John Manzari, who was a castmate of mine in Funny Girl to uh, to join me. He's an incredible tap dancer. I mean, he's one of the best tap dancers in the world. And uh, he's going to do a couple of uh, New Orleans classics with me. We're doing St. James Infirmary. Uh, and we're also doing uh, a combo of Ico Ico and uh Tutti Ma is a big fine thing, which are both commonly sung in parades in New Orleans. Um, and he's going to, you know, bring his his tap expertise. It's going to be I mean, it's just going to be so much fun. He's the best. He actually um, so he was the understudy for Eddie Ryan in Funny Girl. Uh, and I, you know, was the standby to begin with. And we had our first tap rehearsal day with the fannies where Ayadele uh, Cassell, who's like also one of the most incredible tap dancers and choreographers in the world. And she was like, all the fannies, like, come with me. I'm going to teach you this tap routine that I, you know, and she said, don't worry, you know, you're not going to have to do a lot. And, you know, the, the, ta- the people will tap around you, but Beanie Feldstein, who was playing Fanny, um, we got in the room and Beanie turned out to be like a, an amazing tap dancer. And Io had had no idea. So, so does, Beanie why does just, that not surprise me? Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. And, and so, so Beanie was like picking it up really fast. And Io was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And Effie Artema, who was the Fanny understudy, she like is a tap dancer. She played Peggy Sawyer on 42nd Street. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. the two of them were like picking up the choreography like it was no problem and so fast. And I, I took like a couple semesters of tap in undergrad. You know, I mean, I just was not at, I, I know how to time step, but I wasn't, and I'm very slow at picking up choreography. I can do it, but it takes me a minute. And so they were picking it up in my brain. I mean, it was moving so quickly that I could not process what Iodele was doing, let alone like do it, you know? And I just kept being like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'll just, I'll take a video of it, like, go home and do it slow motion. I'll figure it out later. Don't, yo, don't keep. And they were like, you okay? Okay. I was like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Just keep going. No problem. <laughs> Until like about an hour later, I like broke down crying because I was like, I'll never figure this oh. out. And um, John noticed, he wasn't even in the room, but he saw after the rehearsal, he saw that I like had these tears that were, you know, my eyes were red from crying. He was like, Hey, you want me to go over this with you? And he went over that for like the next two weeks on all our breaks. He would teach me the tap routine and really help me learn how to, how to do the tap. So I feel like, and that's what Eddie, Eddie Ryan in the show teaches Fanny how to do the dance routine. So he like really was my real life, Eddie Ryan. That's awesome. And having seen you in the role, I never would have known you weren't a tapper. So uh, you like I said, it I can well. learn it. It's 
just takes me a minute. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So you've mentioned some of the New Orleans songs that are in here. Is it all like the classics or is there some like more modern uh, New Orleans-y Mardi Gras stuff? How's the mix breakdown of the set list? A lot of classics, Basin Street Blues, Bourbon Street Parade. Um, there's uh, there isn't there. We obviously, when the Saints go marching in, you know, that's can't can't do a New Orleans so, uh, show without that. But I also do uh, an original that I wrote that's more in the New Orleans style that I wrote. Uh, it's called Tomorrow is a Day for You. And I wrote it uh, in celebration of when gay marriage became legal in, in all of the United States. And it's got kind of a parade bluesy feel. Um, but that's so that's the newest song of the set. And then, of course, there's like some much older songs. We do the Lakes of Poncha Train, which is that melody is 200 years old. Um, and then uh, we do uh, some other. Well, I do from Princess and the Frog. I do a Princess and the Frog song, of course. Um, Amazing. I do uh, the song that Ray the Firefly sings to his beloved Evangeline, oh, yeah, yeah. who is a she's a, a star in the night sky. And there, you know, he can never be with her because she's a star and he's a firefly. Not, not a sentient human being or yeah. Animal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, I actually do a, a real uh, occasion song called "J'ai Passé Devant Ta Porte," um, which is a French song. The Cajun peoples were people were so the Acadians were uh, a French Canadian Catholic people, and they were kicked out of what is now part of French Canada by the British and they landed in Louisiana and became the Cajun people. So I do a Cajun song by this, this uh, female composer, Cleoma Falcone, uh, who she was, uh, she was the first Cajun woman to be inducted into the Cajun uh, hall of fame. And she was one of the first uh, people to have been recorded singing Cajun music. So I do one of her songs um, so it's a, it's a bit of an eclectic mix. I also just do love for sale, um, you know, which is yeah. in honor of Storyville, but then I do a song that Tony Jackson, who I talked about earlier actually wrote called pretty baby. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a mix of things. All right. Speaking of a mix of things, a slightly different mix. You mentioned your husband, Jason is your music director and yep. pianist and, how How is it working with somebody who you also live with, you're also married to, you've been with for over a decade, you guys have an yep. album out together. How How is the push and pull of two artists working together? Is it always smooth sailing or are there, are there little, uh, you have to pull rank since it is technically your <laughs> concert at some point? I think we've we've developed a very good working relationship. Um, I I mean I think there are married couples who would do better not to work together, but um, <laughs> very luckily, um, I think doing these kinds of projects together is one of the highlights of our relationship. And Jason is so so creative and fun and 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 collaborative, and um, he has great ideas that I really trust. But he listens to my ideas. You know, every once in a while, I'm like, "Hey, my tempo! Like, listen to my tempo." <laughs> but, but uh, it's it's been really great. He's been the most supportive, and I I really I really feel like we have gotten here together as artists, and we make each other better as as artists. And you know, he comes from a much more jazz world and very contemporary jazz world where um, 
you know, there's a lot of like, and I come from the theater world where it's all storytelling based. Um, and so I think we've really pushed each other uh, in, to challenge each other in and made each other better, you know, and, you know, I, I, now he, after 10 years of playing together, 11 years of playing together, he listens to lyrics in a way he did not when he was, you know, in his early twenties and more of a contemporary jazz guy. And he really is like, Oh wow, this lyric is this. So I can reflect it in this way. And the arrangement he gets, he, he thinks from a story place more and I am more willing to take more creative risks than I think I was when I was a younger sort of musical theater person who, who, who didn't understand the jazz vocabulary quite as much. I love that. that that's what a, a good, healthy relationship should be. You learn from each other, you make each yeah. other better. That sounds great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And he's the best. So uh, obviously, I would expect nothing less. So um, we were talking about before we started recording that I, I don't think the scheduling worked out exactly how you had originally intended, perhaps, but you are very busy right now with everything going on. We are talking on Friday, February 2nd. Uh, Harmony is closing this Sunday. Yeah. And I'm sure all of the logistical stuff that you have to worry about for the concert. You also have to marry that with all of the emotions going on with this very important, very powerful show closing with everything kind of coming together in a very different type of gumbo, I, I suppose. Yeah. What are the thoughts and feelings as you kind of have these two very different things happening all at once and one very big chapter of your life closing with, you know, as a as an artist, who knows what that next <laughs> chapter is actually going to be in the future? Yeah, that's always the thing is... It's a freelance artist. Um, who knows? Uh, I'm, you know, originally I had scheduled this concert to just be on my night off from Harmony. Um, and so I always assumed it would be kind of a busy, stressful time. But, uh, you know, now I'm just really glad that I have something to look forward to after Harmony closes. And so it doesn't feel like this Sunday is the last time that I know I'm getting up on stage to connect with audiences or, you know, uh, have a good time singing some songs. Um, but it's, it's bittersweet, obviously. I mean, I, I was, I was, it, it's always, I don't know, like la I remember my first Birdland show. That was crazy because I was, uh, I was supposed to just be the fanny standby and I was releasing my album that, you know, summer, I we just picked that date. I don't even, you know, and then suddenly the album release was happening while I was playing Fanny eight shows a week on Broadway. Yeah. Um, and I had my Birdland um, concert and Jason and I were moving and oh I was gosh. doing the, and I was doing the Harmony workshop, the two week workshop <laughs> before they found out they got a Broadway show. Oh man. That was that was the most stressed that I've ever been. <laughs> and um, and I I was so sort of worried about, oh my God, I don't have the amount of time to to get my Birdland show, you know, sort of as tight as I want it to be. And and that, but that ended up being a really great sort of training ground because what I love about Birdland is that it feels it's like our musical home and it feels relaxed and it doesn't have to be um, you know, a quote unquote like show cabaret it's a it's a club and so it's like i get to be me and relaxed and feel like people are just joining me for a night of music and so now i even when things are crazy like right now with harmony closing i know that i think at least having gone through that before at birdland i go okay well at least you know 
the t- I think it will feel just like a, a coming home and it can feel nice and relaxed and I don't have to uh, be so you know, I'm a person who really likes to just really plan everything, but so it's good for me to, to, to approach things, you know, with a little bit more looseness, I think. A little more jazz inspired. Uh, yeah. Jazz. I'm so improvisatory <laughs> by nature. It's just, it's just the jazz in my heart, the euphonic gumbo of my soul. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, like you said, uh, the closing of this show is, is bittersweet, but as you are kind of winding down this last weekend, what are you going to take away from this experience? The, the show itself is so powerful. It's been in the works for so long. Uh, this cast is amazing. Um, all of the different people you've gotten to work with in this show. Is there something that, even though you aren't finished yet, that you're like, this is what I'm going to take away from having been a part of this experience? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a wonderful experience, you know, although it's been cut too short just because of capitalism and how Broadway works. Um, yeah. But I mean, first of all, Chip Zion is the best, the best. and he's giving yeah. the performance of a lifetime. It's been really amazing to watch him work every day and also to see how he just brings a wonderful um, vibe backstage. And he and Sierra, who I also love, like they just lead the company with so much, you know, humility. They're they're just they're, and and humor. So coming to work is has been a real pleasure every single day. Plus there have been it was really, what, 18 Broadway debuts in our company. So Amazing. It, coming to work every day has been a real joy. I'm really going to miss the workplace environment, you know, that we have. Um, but just as a, as an artist, I think um, it, to have created this role and, you know, in collaboration with Warren Carlisle and Bruce Sussman, you know, sort of every day, really, really coming to rehearsal and fighting to make sure that my character's story was told in as nuanced and a way as possible to really bring her to life. Like that was a wonderful challenge. I'm really grateful for, and it feels um, like the culmination of a lot of, you know, things I've been working for, for, for a long time. And I hope that I'll get to take that experience uh, and whatever confidence I've gained from that process and bring it to whatever is next. And I also, I, you know, I just am constantly every day at the, at the stage door. I have, there are these Jewish, you know, members of my community who are in tears and they are just say, especially the women who say, thank you so much for representing us on Broadway. I think they don't feel represented. The Jewish, Jewish women have not felt represented on Broadway in a while. Um, and so I've gotten to, I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of say, you don't get a lot of say as an actor and like, you know, you, you get cast and, you know, you get auditions and you book things and you decide, but like somehow b- between playing Fanny and then b- going straight into Ruth, it was like, I got to uh, step into what that female Jewish perspective is and represent two very different, very strong uh, Jewish women uh, in a very short time. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I've had that opportunity and I see that it's had an impact on, on people in my community. And so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing you mentioned that kind of jumped out to me is you talked about whatever confidence you've gained from this, from this process going straight, as you said, from funny girl 
into into harmony that's a that's a heck of a run you've gotten a a, a lot of attention a uh, a lot of accolades uh over the past couple years with these two shows as someone who it's not like you were an overnight sensation, like fresh off the bus kind of thing. You've been working for a while, but yeah, it wasn't like NYC. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You weren't the star to be. Yeah. But I mean, in a lot of ways for a larger audiences, you did just kind of burst on the scene with funny girl. And how has that changed kind of the way you look at your life, look at your career, look at what is perhaps possible in the future? Because I would have to imagine you're on a pretty, pretty good role of, of, of roles, I guess. And, mm-hmm. uh, that has to kind of change a lot of the, the way you look at your, your career and your art, I would imagine. I mean, I definitely think, I mean, it's been a, an incredible ride. I couldn't have dreamed, a, a cooler journey for myself. Um, I don't know what's next, but I do think that, um, whatever it is, it's, I do think now I'm really, you know, when I'm looking at material, whether I'm writing it or looking at other people's material, it's that I am deciding, you know, do I want to be a part of creating this? It's, it's, I'm, I'm really, I've gotten to play two such great characters lately that now I go, okay, well, if the character, uh, doesn't speak to me, you know, then I, I think I'm gonna, I'm going to wait until something does, you know, I want to feel like I'm taking on work that I can really stand behind and feel proud of and, and make, you know, make these bring characters alive who are complex and interesting. And I mean, a lot of it, like I said, as an actor, you don't always have a lot of control over what comes your way, but I'm just, excited to I think be part of a conversation of what that can look like and also I think to contribute as um as not just an actor but as somebody who writes and composes and 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 you know just contribute my voice to this community in a a, a myriad of ways yeah no I I think that for all of us who have kind of gotten to witness it from the other side of the footlights. I, I think we're all excited for whatever the possibilities of your future have in store. Um, I will wrap up on this question. You talked about all of the people, the women, the the Jewish women who have met you at the stage door. Obviously not all of them can be at Birdland uh, no. <laughs> on Monday the 12th, but there is, uh, I believe, a, uh, a, a stream of that as well going to be available. Yes, so, yes. People- so you can watch it from anywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, that is obviously something that really took hold over the pandemic, but like, that's a big deal. I still kind of marvel, like what a big deal that is. When I was a kid as a musical theater lover, if someone was doing a concert in New York City, I probably wouldn't even know about it, let alone have an opportunity to see it. As you have kind of grown this fan base, what is what is it like to know that there are people who could be around the world across the country tuning in to watch this show uh, and it's more than just the couple hundred people that are going to be able to to sit in the theater itself. It's amazing. Um, you know, I, before all of this funny girl harmony stuff happened, it was I mean, I, I, I would not have thought that, oh, wow, there's people in Australia or Ireland or the Philippines or, you know, who would who might be tuning in. And and especially when it comes to stuff like uh this kind of music in particular, the New Orleans 
concert that we're doing, which is, it's a little bit different than what I think the average Broadway person brings as their cabaret material. Um, There's a lot of uh, really just old traditional material that I love that most of my colleagues have not heard before and don't know. And so I just love, you know, I love this music. I love this. uh, I love the history of this place. And so I love that I get to share it with people who, you know, maybe they're tuning in because, you know, because they liked me in Funny Girl, but now I get to tell them about the origins of, you know, some of my favorite songs and, and some about, about some of these people who they don't know. And, and so maybe that'll open a door for them to, to find some new music that they like. And I just like being an advocate for this kind of, uh, for this kind of music, which just is not that well known. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, I hope the show goes wonderfully for you on as we're recording a week from Monday. And uh, obviously, our thoughts are with everybody in the Harmony Company as the show closes up this weekend. But congratulations on everything. And as I said, I think everybody in the community is very excited to see what happens next, because whether you were technically the star to be coming off the bus in Annie (laughs) or not, uh, there's a lot of great things in the future. So we are excited to follow along. Thank you so much. 